What, what happened there? I mean, what did you I do? Did you it says we went live. So. Oh, oh man, that that Katie, she is she's so funny. Look at all these cool videos that I could click on over here now. I like this. Well, you guys never, all know me. I'm, never I'm Jay. Never give him a button. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is spilling ink. And and look, we've got man. I, I I'm gonna click this button because I want to see what this does. That that one I need to label our sponsor, so Jay knows what it is. <laughs> no, that was that was fun. So this is spilling ink. Welcome. It's another Saturday night. It was not a beautiful day here in Michigan. It rained all day. It was cold. This is like our fifth day in a row of rain, Katie. I mean, it's just rain and rain and rain and rain. Oh my gosh, I'm sick of it. But I did uh, officiate another wedding today. It was very cute. The rain stopped for 20 minutes, so we could we could go outside and do the the wedding. So that was that was happy news, right? I rain again. Just just keep just keep running. Rain. Just rain, 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 rain. Rain you know, since April. Oh my gosh, that's just <laughs> wild. That's just wild. The ground's got to be like 400 degrees there by now. Yeah, that that's pretty accurate. Oh man. Well, well, this show, probably by far your favorite show to watch. Everyone that's out there, all eight of you right now, I, I know that we are your favorite. It's mostly me. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, and Katie looks amazing tonight. Yay! Katie! <laughs> We're both doing the glasses thing so that we look extra smart. smart. Yes. Extra smart and studious. And I was telling Katie that I'm, I'm doing trying this new method because I get I get this weird claustrophobia when it's absolutely silent in a room. So I've actually got music playing in addition to the voices coming into my head. And, and this time it's not just voices from my head. It's actual people, which is which is a bonus uh, for me. It's not just the dementia, the early onset dementia. <laughs> um, yeah. What were we talking about, though, Katie? We we were talking about. It's Saturday night and it's spilling ink and we should probably get in a word from our sponsor because, you know, the boss is watching. I tried to do that and you cut off my video. <laughs> All right. Let's try All it right. again. Ready? All right. Ready? Here's our sponsor. Nope. Nope. That's the, wrong that that's <laughs> the wrong one. <laughs> that's the show. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I am Joe Compton and welcome to our channel. Go Indie Now. This is the place that celebrates indie artists and indie art. And we do so by producing several shows that either air on daily, weekly, monthly, or seasonal scheduling. And He's pretty within sexy. those shows, we aim to educate and entertain you. If you're, if you're an indie artist who's trying to figure out how to do this, this is the place you need to be. If you're an indie artist who's looking to promote and doesn't have any avenues and, and is tired of the grind, this is the place to be. Because remember, it's always time to go and be now. That's right. And Go Indie Now is, is our first sponsor. We have another one coming up at the end of the show. And they are who make it possible for us to stream on both YouTube and Facebook at the same time, which is amazing. And not to mention just that, it also allows us to stream to our podcast network. So yay for our sponsors. Yay, sponsors. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, we should probably introduce our guests. What do you think, Jay? Well, you know, and we are going with the good-looking crew tonight. This is all super sexy people here on the show tonight. Uh, so I'm pretty geeked about it. Uh, My video we... not working then? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> we have got the amazing Jerry Harwood. Jerry, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Awesome. I'm glad to have you back. And then brand new guest for us who I'm super excited to hear more about. I, I can't read their name because Regine's comments up on, on the screen right now. That, that was a test for you. Do you remember the name? Uh, P.D. Oliva. P.D. Oliva's on the show. The hypnosis worked. We did good. We did good. 
Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> oh, Katie, that was so mean. That was so you you know I don't pay attention to stuff. Gosh, gosh. Well, who's on here with us? We've got a we've got a Rebecca Jonesy. I don't know who that is. She sounds dirty. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for being here. Is that the same Rebecca Jones? <gasps> Whoa. I think is that is. is that her in the picture? Woo. Right? <laughs> wow. We've got Anita Stewart. Anita, it's so good to see you. You know, Anita, are you are you still doing your show, Anita? She is. Is she? Okay. I haven't yeah. seen it in a little while. I would love to come on your show sometime, Anita, just to chat with you. You're always fun to talk to. And then Regine, this this creepy stalker guy keeps coming on here. I don't know what his deal is. He's, he He's freaks me out though. Fan. He does <laughs> actually, he does support every single one of the indie shows out there, both him and Rebecca and Anita come to think of it. I mean, our, our regulars are all really like an extended part of the family because we all yeah. support each other as we should as independent creators. Yeah. And you know, Regine even, um, um, listens to my other show unafraid which I, I was surprised about unafraid has nothing to do with 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 writing or, or publishing at all so i'm i'm always really happy when i get feedback from him on that and then we've got uh agent born here what happened to the facial hair you know there is still a little bit there um you know every couple months i i trim it down to to almost nothing to let it come back and see how gray it is it's getting pretty gray i look i kind of look like one of my pugs faces down here now it's just speckled gray um it, if you don't own pugs you don't get the joke but pugs turn gray really quickly that's why that's a funny sorry I, that was lost on this crowd sorry that's meant for the uh, the vet tech crowd apparently uh, <laughs> all right so i want to find out uh a little bit about our guests. Jerry, I know you've been on the show before, but I would like to have you uh, have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, um, if that's uh, okay with you. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, Jerry Harwood, I uh, live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, <clears throat> born and raised in the in the South. I've traveled the world, but never, never lived anywhere outside Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. Um, had a had a couple of careers in my life, so I uh, was a camp director for a lot of years. Uh, then moved into uh, working in a in a clinic that helped for people in recovery, and then um, have now become a middle school teacher. Uh, there's a lot of commonality between people in recovery and middle school kids, uh, so it was a pretty easy transition in some ways, uh, you know, tongue in cheek. But uh, but I've enjoyed it. So I, I took teaching up a couple of years ago, so I could start writing. Uh, my kids are all older. Most of them are out of the house and grown. Uh, so it was an opportunity for me to pick up a hobby I really wanted to do, which was riding. Um, volunteer fireman as well. And uh, yeah, I have six kids and a uh, beautiful wife and two really old Maltesers that'll probably bark at some point in the hour because they're not getting the attention they think they deserve. So that's me. Tell us uh, a little bit about jam sessions here. Okay, certainly. So my first book, wicka, 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 wicka. Out, that's right. My first book went out, um, oh gosh, I guess a year ago now. Um, and Katie was tremendous help. We connected through Upwork, I think. Was it Upwork? Yep, it was. Upwork. Uh, connected through that. And she helped me design the, the cover and helped me get it to the Amazon and to uh, indie presses. I mean, I'm not a techno person. And one of the things I didn't want to do was uh, create a hobby that I hated because of the things I didn't know how to do. So it's wonderful to have a place and to have connections with people like Katie who can help you get over the hump on some of that tech stuff uh, if it's not your thing. But um, Jam Sessions is a middle grade book about a kid who gets moved midway through the year and his first friend is the school bully. So uh, that's that book. All right. You've got uh, coming out now too, right? I do. Yeah, this one came out uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, and it started out as a young adult book, uh, the idea being that it was set in a, in a juvie prison, um, and some of the prisoners were the Aztec gods of creation. Uh, but I was probably about three chapters in when I realized the, the Aztec gods of creation were really awesome, but they were really not young adults. So uh, it turned into a, just a, an adult horror book, um, and fun. it was a fun book to write. So 
uh, this guy goes in, Eli goes into prison, uh, and he finds out the guy next to him in the cell next to him is Hummingbird, which if you know the Aztec myth, um, the, the main goddess gives birth to all these gods. Uh, and then they try to kill her, their mother because she, uh, becomes pregnant with a hummingbird feather and, uh, hum, hummingbird comes out and kills his brother. So, uh, it's kind of got the, the Zeus and the Titans feel to it, but, uh, Aztec myth. So I just retold it in the set of a modern prison. Um, but it's a fun, it's a fun story. I enjoyed writing it. It, it so, looks super creepy. I love that cover. <laughs> yeah. That cover is awesome. But, so I didn't, 12, I didn't. Ex- oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, man. I was going to say, I didn't expect that from you at all. I do have a quick question. How how does the hummingbird come out? Is it in an egg or is it birthed somehow? Um, well, it's sort of like a Zeus Athena thing in the in the Aztec myth, right? In the Aztec myth, the hummingbird comes out fully dressed with a flaming sword and just starts chopping up right away, right? He's ready to go. Um, in mine, he's already born. He's in prison because he killed his brothers, right? So uh, that's why he's in prison. Uh, but he has a he has a, a sword tattoo that that comes to life. Um, in it. So <laughs> so so anyway, like I said, it was a, it was a real fun thing. I love the Aztec myths, and um, it's part of what I teach in social studies uh, at my school. So I, I go over it every year, and it's just a fun it's a fun read. Now I did the middle school version there. Uh, but it's a it's a fun set of gods. So there's 12 of them, and so 12 hours on the block. Each each god gets his own hour of the night, um, and and our character Eli's just got to kind of survive it. So that's okay. Like an awesome read. Yeah, I've got a I've got a bunch more questions uh, about that, but I want to I want to get an introduction from uh, from PD here a minute. PD, would you mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a sci-fi and horror writer. I have a new book coming out, dystopian science fiction thriller called The Rose. There you go. It's about a um, underground species, a sophisticated species of alien vampires that have conspired with the elite humans at the end of World War III to turn the human population into easily controlled zombies in order to achieve planetary and interstellar domination. I'm also a retired hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in there for you. So I, I, it, you, you said you're also a retired hypnotist? Semi-retired. So um, <laughs> my wife and I have a private practice, all right? So about two years ago, in order to um, fulfill my writing dream, I published five books previously to this. So in order to do that, I started taking a smaller role in the private practice, which means I have less patience. Pretty much what that means. So I see between five and ten a week. Now, what what kind of benefits does hypnosis have? It works. Number one. All right. So um, we specialize in trauma, trauma and PTSD. All right. So and we see patients anywhere between one to eight sessions in order to take the memories, all right, that they're struggling with and kind of put them in the past. It's like um, explain this. All right. So let's say somebody experiences a traumatic event, right? So what happens is the way your brain processes information goes from one hemisphere to the next back and forth, goes to your subconscious mind for later use, but that traumatic memory gets stuck in one part of the brain, all right? So what hypnosis does is it, it unstucks that part of the brain, allows the brain to process it, so it puts it in the past. So better explanation, right? So I'm a New York Giants fan, and when we won the Super Bowl, many – many years ago. I was jumping up and down. I remember it, right? I remember it like it was yesterday, but I don't feel the same way, all right? So if that was a traumatic event, if I'm thinking about it right now, I would feel like the trauma is happening right now, and therefore we act out accordingly. Okay. We've actually we've actually sent some guys um, in our state. That we, have a, we have a gentleman who does that for us for free for first responders, and we've sent some guys that have had some uh, – you know, PTSD stuff, uh, and it's worked great for them. I mean, it's just worked great. It uh, does, you know. too. For first responders, too, first responders in the military, there's a, um, a protocol out there called Reconsolidation Traumatic Memories, all right, That's, um, R- RTM, and it works. Yeah. That is, it's, it's a form of hypnosis, and it works like 90% of the patients mm-hmm. who do it 
the trauma is resolved. It's yeah, it's amazing. Back. Interesting. And we've got a comment here from one of our uh, our uh, guests saying that Mike Feria quit with hypnosis, and I do remember Mike Feria going on with I think it was Joshua Robertson, and and they were doing therapy sessions in order to quit smoking, and and he's reported that it worked really well for him. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely works. It just it takes the um, brain chemistry and the um, the synapses that are going on. It kind of just re-puts them in different places. So you're not um, you're not having those cravings with cigarettes, you know, and with the, the trauma when we get say normally we would get triggered by whatever. So just arguments say seeing the color red. So we can see the color red now and we're not, you know, going into a full blown panic attack. It's just the color red. So it kind of um, disconnects that association the mind has with the traumatic event in the color red. That's amazing. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, with Joshua. Okay, so there you go. So, all right. Well, that is really cool. And and so I wonder, and, and a couple of our, our guests have mentioned it too, does, is that going to play into your, your marketing? Uh, hypnosis can you use hypnotic techniques to help with marketing Gosh. Hmm. i would love to be able to do that i might think <laughs> my wife would tell me that that is unethical so I wouldn't it. you know when i do it uh, if i wasn't married i would do it but no well it so, turns out i've got a book so if you want to use it for mine there you, you go know. yeah Definitely go. do that. Hypnotize everybody. Buy this book. Amazon. Was an issue with with subliminal marketing being made illegal? I don't remember if that was accurate or not, but I, I'd heard something about not being allowed to use subliminal marketing. Yes, techniques. that's the old. Um, oh, I think it was Tab. It's either Tab or Pepsi with Joe Montana. And he was drinking out of a glass, and the um, the ice cube said sex. And mm -hmm. sex written in it. So this is back, what, in the 80s? So that yeah. was caught. So they, uh, I don't know, there's a law or something where you can't use that type of subliminal message in your advertising. But yet they still do similar types of advertising, like for yeah. say, movies and stuff. Having product placement in movies would technically be a subliminal marketing technique. If a character is using a certain product or, or drinking a certain product, I think Apple actually bans their products from being used by villains, if I remember correctly. There was some kind of a, an issue, mm. villains never being allowed to use iPhones. Because <laughs> it's association. You're seeing that villain, you're associated with something like that. And then um, well, they use a lot of in advertising NLP techniques, neuro-linguistic programming. So when you're watching a commercial, if they want you to remember something or a specific word or association, they'll, um, it, it'll be like a flash of lights, right? Or they'll say that word really prominently so you remember, right, NLP. So, so issues like, you know, things flashing up on the screen while we're talking wouldn't work. <laughs> It, it definitely does work, actually. You just got to be consistent with it. I so don't know. We, yeah. we want a good read. You know, a That's really right. good book. Something that, that you can possibly read. Exactly. <laughs> so, but it, it does work. NLP does work. NLP can be used for bad as well. So you can look it up and watch some YouTube videos, and you'll see some people using it for not um, – not the ethical means, but it's interesting. But but we want to be all ethical here. We want to tell you the yeah, right way to do things. Right. So. Exactly. Be kind. You know. <laughs> Don't manipulate people. You're only manipulating yourself anyway. <laughs> all right. But speaking of marketing, then, since since we're heading into the you know end of the year, we're heading in towards holiday season. A, a lot of people. Uh, if you're putting books out now or if you have books that you want to gain more sales on, you're going to be focusing on gaining that uh, that Christmas, that holiday kind of sales you know, ramp up that mm -hmm. happens. Are you guys doing anything in particular right now or are you finding problems because we're still stuck at home for the most part? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult. I went to a, a book con. Uh, it's a great, great concept. It's called Next Chapter Con. And it's just for independent authors. Uh, and they, they set it up in a, in a big conference hall. We're all in there. And people can literally come in and talk to authors, get signed copies of books. 
Um, and it was a great event, but, you know, it was one of those where the attendance was, I think, down at least over 50% uh, from the year before, but got to talk to some people, got to interact, you know, got to add some people to a mailing list, and sold some books. And so that was a, that was a good thing, but it's not, you know, it's not full speed yet, is it? Um, people are still, uh, wary of getting out. And I think I'm probably in a part of the country where people are doing that more than other parts. So, uh, I don't know that for certain, but around here, I see more and more people out with masks and, you know, milling around, but, um, it's hard. It's hard to get the table at the bookstore or whatever. Uh, so you're really relying on social media and things of that nature. I think even the introverts at this point are dying to get out. So it's it's mm -hmm. really hard for a lot of us. And you're right, the, the conventions, that for me, that is my bread and butter in the summer. I get out and I not only get to interact with other people, which it, it feeds my soul, it feeds my spirit, it helps make me want to write more stuff. Right. But it's it's also that, you know, that connection with other people and, and the, the interaction that we need to get the word out about our books and without mm -hmm being able to do that it's been really hard to just rely on social media yeah i was i was very fortunate um there was a school librarian because I'm, I'm a school teacher so i was able to network with a few of them and our county has a, a book of the week that they push out um and so they do like an elementary one week middle of the next high school the next and uh so they push out a book a week and encourage parents you know and it's a it's a blast to every parent in the system um, which is, which is awesome. So usually they don't do independent authors, but because I am a teacher in the system, they were kind enough to make me the book of the week. Um, and that, and yeah, that was great. And that actually just cool. happened. So, uh, that's been, that'll be a huge promo. And, um, several of those other librarians have contacted and want the book in their library. So, um, so anyway, I'm encouraged by that. So there are those options, but yeah, they're tougher. Um, and I don't want to steal all the time here, PD. Uh, but one last thing I've been trying to do uh, is I've been calling up independent bookstores um, and just telling them, I would love to send you a copy of my book for free for you to, to read, sell, whatever you want to do with it. Um, but just as a way to network with you and, and figure out a way, if you like it, you know, how can I want to be on your docket when you get back up and running. Um, and that's been I mean, it's, a, it's an expensive measure, but it's been good that I've built those relationships. And so I'm top of mind when they start opening back up and start looking to sell again. One of them that started a mobile bookstore um, and had some conversation with me about how I might be, you know, part of that. One of them has a, a book they send away every, every month. They have kind of a book packet. So I'm in talks with them about how to get my book into that. So that's been good just to just to network with local local stores good idea yeah those local stores yeah. you know aside from the big box stores which you know everybody mm -hmm. knows those the local stores do tend to cater more towards the neighborhood market and they mm -hmm. tend to welcome independent authors to come in for signings for readings to participate in in um, writers groups in um um what's the word Dang it, i hate that when the word's right there and you can't get it book clubs thank you um <laughs> book clubs that, that participate in their store and do these events there because it not only strengthens the community but it also allows independents like us to really be able to reach that audience that we may not be able to reach you know mm -hmm. anywhere else at this point yeah we have a you know question here does anyone have any suggestions for an online book launch um and the, there are you know, there, there are a lot of resources for this, um, you know, and, and it, it changes so quickly, though, uh, month to month, really what's a, what's effective. You know, I think for me, if I was going to be launching a book online right now myself as an, as an indie, um, I would probably contract the services of one of the, the many kind of small marketing companies that, that does, you know, indie book launches. Um, Gosh, and I'm trying to dredge their their names up uh, off the top of my head. I, I know Rebecca Hamilton has tons of different courses and things like that. But uh, there are a lot of small companies that 
that you can hire that will, you know, do the Facebook parties and and try to help you build up your mailing list uh, to get, you know, mm-hmm. newsletter subscribers so that you can get the word out, out about your book. But um, it changes so darn quickly. Oh, <laughs> October 20th. Yeah, that's coming up real soon. Um, See, now you, know, you got to your marketing plans much much more in advance that you can do a last minute book launch but to, to really gain the traction you're going to want you need to be a little bit earlier they most people will suggest three months ahead of time um, and and if anyone's listening to this um that has a, a good kind of there we go there yeah. we go our go Andy now has commented uh cl cannon and uh karina contas um you know, would be good, good people to contact right on Facebook to, uh, to talk about, talk about some marketing ideas. I, uh, I do yes. provide some coaching. I absolutely do have a coaching program where uh, I, I can give you the steps you need and a lot of the website resources that you're going to need. But a lot of it needs to be done by the author themselves because they know the book themselves and they know who they want to target. So while you can absolutely hire someone like CL Cannon, um, she does beautiful uh, book promos. She does a lot of uh, builders for followers, a lot of builders for BookBub. A lot of those are absolutely essential to your marketing campaign. You're still going to have to do a lot of work yourself to really reach your readers because they are your readers. So there, there's a big element there. We didn't yeah. let we didn't let PD talk about his book yet, though. Well, I'm with oh, sorry, PD. Yeah, CL Cannon, she's awesome. She's been doing great. She's been helping me out she for a while now, building the um, my mailing list, building the, the book club. So, and then also I've been on Book Funnel, and honestly, I've been doing a lot of book fairs, promos with them, and it's, it's actually been working quite well, which I was, which was like the biggest surprise. Honestly, I didn't think that it would work. So I tried a couple of them. I'm like, all right, this is actually working. So not bad. Maybe because people aren't going out maybe that's why it's working you know i don't know but it is working but bookstores are closed down here i mean they're not closed they're closed to taking on um doing book signings like barnes and noble's been open but they don't you know no we don't want book signings like that so unfortunate but this is the first book i've published five books before this is the first book that i've actually tried to do marketing for so i'm kind of new to it so i've been learning and thank you I'm thankful that I got with CL Cannon because honestly, she knows her stuff. She knows what she's doing. And that's yes. refreshing because there's so many pitfalls out there and so many people are doing the wrong thing and not helping out any authors. You know, and you fall into those and you live and you learn. So it's refreshing to get somebody who does know what they're doing and does take your interest in mind and helps you out as much as possible. Yeah. But I, I would also add, you know, the if I could, the, there's a, part of it is to think about why you wrote the book you know what 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 is your audience and who is your audience and um there's a there's a girl in my writing group who really she's writing for a local audience um she's not looking for a national campaign you know the book is local uh and so that's her you know that's her piece and so her her marketing is going to look a lot different than somebody who's hoping to get a book in the hands of readers across the country um so I think that's part. And I don't know what what the the comment whoever made it what their book is. I think it was poetry. Um, last of a four volume set. So you know if it's a four volume set, um, you could also come back later once you kind of get that volume out and maybe do a bundle deal or something. Um, and you could do a launch of a bundle, even though you already have it out. Um, you know you have a little more time to put that bundle together. So I think you have options, uh, and I think. Part of that's to figure out why you're doing it, what you want to do. Um, I know with my first book, I wanted to learn the market and learn how to do a book as much as I wanted to, as much as I want to do anything else. You know, so. Now, a lot of times when it comes to marketing a set or a series, um, while you do put out the, hey, this is the fourth book, it's out now. A lot of your marketing still kind of focuses on book number one because that's your feeder book. If they don't read mm-hmm. book number one, why are they reading book number four? Yeah. Uh, if they read book number one and they love it, they're more apt to read books two, three, and four. And a lot of times what authors will do when they do have, let's say, four or five books in a series or a set, they'll make that book one either a reader magnet by making it a free read or they will make it cheaper than the other books um, to sort of try before you buy kind of a thing and get them invested in the series. So series authors do have a little more flexibility than an author putting out just their first book. 
because that's all they have to market. So there's different tactics that you employ when you're marketing just a single book versus a book that's already been out for a while and has others that follow it. Makes sense. They started the first book off at like 99 cents or free and then the other one goes to like $1.99, $2.99. Even from there to get the readership. Yeah, and, and you don't have to make your entire book free. Sometimes people use the first 20% of the book as a free sample as their reader magnet. So that way they're not giving away the whole book, but they're giving enough to really entice the reader and invest them into what's happening to see if they will, will want to continue with it. Makes sense. So um, The Martian came about too. He was publishing like each chapter on his website and people were really liking it. That's what it became a whole book. So he got that traction for it. Yeah, and that helps. And, and a lot of times, readers who, especially with The Martian, because he was asking them for feedback, he was asking them to to qualify his scientific data that he put into the book as well. And a lot of them feel so invested by their hand in that book that when the book comes out, they buy it because, hey, look, I helped with this book. Right. You know, right. they feel like they're part of the project. Well, and, and similar, uh, not the same, but similar story with uh, with Wool by Hugh Howey. You know, he was releasing Wool as, as uh, you know, short stories and you know, became one of the most sought after books on, on the market. Um, and of course, that's not going to be uh, all of us. Uh, it's, you know, the, uh, the 0.001%. But, uh, but yeah, um, if you have more than a couple, you should bundle. That's big right now. Yep, definitely. Well, PD, I have a question for you because uh, I think that um, hypnotists have this there's something mysterious about them and um, in movies they're always well sometimes they're the very very creepy character I like to think of them yeah, as creepy characters um, you know when you're when you're writing your fiction um, do you feel like you're you're using some of your skills with how you know how to relate to the human psyche within your fiction you know do you, do you feel like you try to use that to connect with readers more to connect with readers it through the novel, yes. Yeah, I, I do think so. At least I like to think that I do, right? So, um, yeah, is it, you get it. I mean, I've probably seen like over a thousand people, you know, so um, talking to that many people and you're doing a psychiatric or psychological evaluation on them, you get to understand the way that people think and their belief systems. So you're, you're kind of like putting those belief systems into your characters, into your novels and hoping that people can relate to those belief systems and what those characters, their overall um, motivation is for doing whatever they're doing. So I hope it comes through. I, I just I'm I'm fascinated by this idea because I, I love uh, like thrillers and everything and 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 you know there's there's always the the creepy uh, psychiatrist or psychologist or, or hypnotist that yeah. plays some role and messing with someone's mind right. like I would use this power for evil a hundred percent I think <laughs> yeah. well hopefully not or thank God that you're not a hypnotist but, right so, but um. Well, Hannibal Lecter did have a huge influence on me, other than the whole eating people thing. I mean, the guy's just you know, highly intelligent, absolutely brilliant, you know. And he he knows he knows his case. The truth comes right? out. <laughs> right. So when Clarice comes, you know, he's sniffing her. He's going straight into her psyche. You know, that helps. That's definitely fine. Minus the cannibalism. Although my new horror movie. <laughs> My new horror novel I'm writing now has cannibalism. So I guess you could take that from Hannibal Lecter as well. No. He is my he is my favorite monster of all time, I, I think. He is just a such a, a brilliant character all around. Yes, classic villain. Absolutely iconic villain, especially yeah. at this point. So Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So dark stuff from from both of you guys. That's pretty cool. You've got the the uh, the Aztec gods, <laughs> right. the the alien vampires, and, and I mean, good stuff. Like, this is like nightmare fodder right here. I love it. Right. Halloween time, right? Perfect time. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Are are either of you releasing something right around Halloween, or Jerry, yours just came out, right? Mine just came out. Yeah. So it came out for October. Um, so I, I actually did it with a small indie publisher. 
um, Three Ravens Publishing. They've been great to work with, and and they wanted to push it out for the Halloween Halloween market. You know, it's, it's a much better Halloween read than a than a Christmas read, probably. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, that was been that's been good. But yeah, they push it out for the Halloween season. Well, that's another I'm, marketing tactic too, is to to time your book releases around the the matching genre or theme. Mm-hmm. So as we're coming into the Christmas time, we're going to see a lot of these, you know, Hallmark movies about you know everything working out perfectly, and and we'll see books right. that match that, you know, sexy Santa Claus and <laughs> what have you. But yeah, matching yeah, I, the theme to the the release of your book is is always important, and it's another marketing tactic that that many of the bigger publishing houses use, and a lot of the indies follow suit. And see, and I just wait for the the Chuck Tingle holiday specials. That's what I'm in it for. <laughs> solid very solid yes (laughs) well one thing they that three ravens does that i think is i don't know i I doubt it's unique but it's unique to me i don't i don't know of any other small publishing companies that do it uh is they put out a quarterly flash fiction and it's cheap it's, it's easily accessible um and the last one they did had a has a, a dark vibe to it called bugged out babbling and uh um, I actually have the the cover there. It's some like creepy girl, creepy girl with like. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's a, but anyway, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So it's flash fiction, five hundred words, right, or seven fifty or something like that. Um, and so you pick it up, a couple bucks. It's ten authors, but it's the people that they they're working with, right? So it's their folk. Um, and it's a great way to get your name out there because if somebody likes another one of their authors, picks it up for their story and picks up yours while you're doing it. So I really like that about Three Ravens. I don't know that that's um, I don't I don't I haven't seen that elsewhere. So I'm sure it's it's not absolutely unique, but it but it seems it to me. There's there's a yeah there's a big market for bundling um, of not mm-hmm. only fiction but flash stories. Jay, you were part of a. a a group that was doing a, a was it monthly that was doing the, the flash fiction oh wow that's a big turnover oh um tales from the canyons of the damned yes, um, yes. yeah it, it mm. wasn't necessarily flash fiction though um i mean they were they were short stories but some of them were a few thousand words long mm. um but yeah yeah he he did that monthly <laughs> uh uh daniel arthur smith was the uh the publisher and yeah it was a, a hell of a lot of work for him um i i'm believe he's still doing it i haven't submitted anything quite a while but um that was a cool program it was all all speculative fiction um you know every i don't i don't know it's like every every issue was kind of like a like a season of black mirror it was just you know really kind of wild crazy stuff but uh but yeah a, a hell of a lot of work goes into doing stuff like that you know i mean yeah. and you've you've worked on box sets before katie mm-hmm. i mean it's just i mean sorting out all the the editing formatting design and then working with the authors mm-hmm. which is a whole nother ball game because um, <laughs> authors are, yeah it's a lot like herding We're cats special little creatures yeah, but it's it's fun to be. I think it's fun to be a part of something like that. Um, I would really like to be in, um, you know, do more short fiction and, and little anthologies and things like that because it's fun being in there with with other other people that you know or your peers or other great authors. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes they'll have a you know a bigger name author as a, as an anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's just kind of a it's kind of a, a cool thing to do if you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes they end up paying out. That's yeah. true. I mean, if somebody reads your work and they like it, they're more apt to look you up and see what else you have on offer. Mm-hmm. Sorry. My son wants to do a um, like a, a new pulp fiction type of magazine. He wants to start putting that together. He's 21, so I told him I would help him with that too. That, that's a good idea. I like that. That seems like a lot of fun. And he's young enough. He could take on that undertaking. You need a lot right. of energy to pull something like that off or uh, a staff of sure. people. Trust. <laughs> right. So, hey, let them go for it. Right. Have fun. Let them learn. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Well, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know what goes on behind the scenes of, of producing mm-hmm. something. You know, even just a book. It sounds simple enough. Write the book and put it out there. It's not, as you all well know from doing it. Right. There's a lot more involved 
that writing is actually the easiest part of the process, as hard as that can be. That is the easiest part of the entire process of putting your work out. Oh, right. Jason, buttons again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, these these little these little icons are so fun. I just want to click on them. They're great. No, there's there's a lot of work, but it's I think the experience is worth it, especially, you know, for your for your son wanting to put a magazine together. I think that's that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's kind of like doing one of these shows. You know, we we get to talk to so many cool people and I think that's the best part of it. And it's like, I mean, I would never have talked to most of these people, you know, in real life, you know, but I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people on here. It's amazing. Yeah, I always call this my favorite hour of the week because it, it's it's connecting. You know, you get to connect with other like-minded people and we're, we're all learning from each other. Everybody's got a slightly different way that they came to the table, how they got their book out, whether it's indie, whether it's small press, traditional, whether they did it all themselves or hired people to help them. There's always different paths to doing it. And we can learn from that as well as we're, we're sharing that kindred spirit. So I, I enjoy it. This is this is my favorite hour of the week. Well, and it, it's it's fun because we've, you know, we've talked to you know there have been some authors that we've talked to that are, you know, mid list or or higher traditionally published authors. So their experience with publishing is vastly different than ours, and and it, it, it's really it, it's a little bit of culture shock hearing about it because like wow that's what that world is like. I mean, you're you're still working your butt off, but it's a totally different kind of work that you're doing than what we're doing over over on this end of things. So it, it's it's kind of a, I don't know, it's just it's it's more experience, it's more enrichment. I I love it. I I don't know. It, it's it it's like being able to uh, read a book on every subject that you're interested in. It's it's just really cool. Speaking of reading good sure. books, have any of you started watching Utopia on Netflix? Mm -mm. No. Good. Okay. Uh, Utopia. I have not. No. Okay. So, you need to start watching Utopia. <laughs> I'm, I'm only I'm only three or four episodes in. Let me give you the overall. I, I'm terrible at this. I I, I really am. Um, so, Dystopia was a comic book. All right, and it's got all of these rabid fans that believe that this comic book is actually describing real life events like these plagues and wars and stuff like that. All right. So these hardcore fans, and then all of a sudden utopia, which is the sequel surfaces. And so they're trying to get a hold of this new comic because they feel like it holds the key to the future. And all of the sudden the bad guys from this comic are actually real in real life. And they're trying to get the comic too. And there's, blood and guts everywhere it's amazing and total comic culture oh my gosh you definitely want to give this one a shot netflix i think it's a netflix original but yeah it's, it's been our new fun show okay yeah i'll definitely check that out i'm waiting for um the haunting of hill house season two is mm -hmm. supposed to be coming out i don't know if it's postponed or not but the boy season two that's what i've been watching mm -hmm. and that has okay. been great so far very excited. It's a good one. Nice. Um, and I just read, I think last time it was last week, I was reading um, The Butterfly Garden, and I mentioned that. And I think the author is Dot Atkins, Atkinson, something like that. Um, it was on my prime reading, and it was actually really, really cool. Kind of a really dark psychological thriller. Guy kidnaps a bunch of uh, women and holds them hostage sometimes for years, and um, it was a, actually a really, really cool read. Definitely PD, you would enjoy it. Yeah. I feel like there's a chance for a hypnotist to get in there and really mess with some people's I minds. Like it. I like it. Um, yep, yep. What, what's um, it called again? It's called the, the Butterfly name? Butterfly Garden. Butterfly it was it, it was really pretty cool. So I, I dug that, and it only took a few days to read. And then I just finished another one, and I'm not going to name the book or the author because it was not good. Um, I, I don't know how it ended up on the, on the, on the Kindle list, but it was just like, oh my gosh, um, we need to send this person to Katie to send them to school <laughs> to, to, to learn, learn a bit. But so that was really disappointing. So I'm not now going back to an old favorite Dean Koontz to kind of, uh, cleanse my palate because I know he won't let me down. Um, yeah. <laughs>
I'm glad you asked about all that, guys. Go back to they're going to satisfy. Uh, oh, and Katie, did you see Heather just showed me this off Reddit that scientists have for the first time been able to extract DNA out of an insect preserved in amber. I did see something about that. Just like Michael Crichton said they were going to. We haven't learned our lessons. We, we have not learned our lessons. Fuck it. Why well, not dinosaurs now? Why not? <laughs> I didn't see that, Jay, but I did see where KFC is working in Russia to develop 3D printed chicken nuggets. <laughs> and that and that is by far the most disturbing news I have seen in months. So oh my God. and I and I am not kidding. Like legit. They're so they're 3D it, printing nuggets. It prints with some kind of chicken nuggets. protein? Uh, yeah, some sort of. Oh. You don't need a chicken. You just have the oh. the special spices and. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Google it. It is. Uh, it's like a legit deal. They partnered Very. with some chemical company, and it all sounds oh. sort of like Terminator meets uh, Solvent Green, right? Like. Um, no, no, no. Let's let's think positive. Let's think positive. Just like Star Trek. With the food replicators, let's think of it like that. Let's not go no down the green road. No, <laughs> this, is, this is 2020, Katie. That's a, we're, it's not Star Trek. We're, we're going right. down. <laughs> 3D it's, like, it's more like Star Wars. Oh, Gary, hopeless. The, the, the bad one of the bad guys in Utopia has created a synthetic meat he calls Simpro, simply protein. Oh, I feel yeah. like this is all coming together. Right. All coming together, yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, now I'll just look. Now I'm going to watch TV, and I'm going to be like, uh, that guy's got an iPhone, so he's not bad, right? Uh, <laughs> and then what y'all were saying, Apple doesn't allow villains to have them. I, I can't right. remember, and I will have to find the source on that, but I do remember reading somewhere that because of, of – the, the product, um, the, the way people think about and associate products that Apple did not want any of their products associated with uh, negativity. So therefore, villains could not have use of their products. So iPhones would never be in the hands of a villain. <laughs> <laughs> no iPhone 10 persona, Thanos. Was Thanos really a bad guy? I mean... I kind of feel like he had a point. Yeah, I was a Thanos fan, so. Yeah, I mean, I was, okay, so yeah. if you think about it this way, you know, um, oh, has anybody seen Kingsman, the movie Kingsman? Which mm -hmm. one? The original? The first the, one, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the first, first one, which was great. The second one, yeah, it wasn't that great. Uh, but anyhow, so Sam Jackson's character in that, you know, bad guy and hilarious. I love the lisp. And, uh, engineers this uh this doomsday plot to you know to call the population all right it, probably a good idea however it's horrible and violent and terribly inhumane but thanos's way completely dispassionate yeah. boom you just disappear i feel like that's a good <laughs> option for us right yes <laughs> i mean you just you don't know any pain you're just gone Exactly. <laughs> out of existence. Absence. Yeah. Right well, and speaking of that, Jerry, so this pantheon of gods that lives in the prison, are they are they bad or are they just there? Um, I mean, are these bad guys? Yes, yeah, some of them. So uh you know the the it's the the story of creation and destruction, right? This cycle. So some of them are trying to create a, a new world. Some of them are just trying to tear the one they have apart. So there's like a, a Hispanic Harley Quinn character, um, you know, and she's she's just about causing uproar. Um, there's a a god that um, I I obviously the Aztecs don't, but I would characterize him as sort of the the Undertaker if you remember him from pro wrestling, uh, and you know he. She, it's a, it's a she in the, in the Aztec, but she's really just trying to stop uh, everything from falling apart, right? So, so each one of them kind of has their own personality, and like most ancient pantheons, right? They're all in balance, and you have to keep all of them happy and good luck, right? 
Uh, so, uh, because it doesn't work. They're, they're kind of having this feud amongst themselves in the prison. And, you know, it starts out the uh, hummingbird kills a guard, lights a bunch of mattresses on fire, starts a pyre. Um, and then he has a, a little minion who, who comes down and helps him. And then all of a sudden everybody starts fighting. The guards are gone. The prison's on lockdown. Um, and so then the story of course is Eli and, and his buddy Tay just trying to survive the night. Um, and, uh, eventually the, the women, the women over in the other block get into involved in it, uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, but yes, the, the short answer is yes, they're, they're good. They're evil. Um, or maybe, maybe to use a little Nietzsche, they're just beyond good and evil. They just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good and evil is a construct uh, of ours. So, Jerry, I, I'd like you to do something for me here. I'm going to okay. put some text up on the screen here, and I'd like you to read this for me, if you would, please. <laughs> Tie a ribbon round the old oak tree, because this boy's a coming home. Beautiful. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Every time you said hummingbird, I was thinking of Con Air. Oh yeah, a hummingbird. I can't help it. just watched that the other day. <laughs> that's right. And I definitely have the southern accent for it. So <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Huh? Oh goodness, goodness, goodness! All right, so let's uh, let's talk about this amazing. Smart looking book right here this is incredible when battling alien vampires one thing is certain get ready to bleed get ready yeah. to bleed i love it action adventure a lot of blood oh, yeah. a lot of gore one can't write a book about alien vampires and not have some gore you know? what'll get you though is the um the telepathic telekinetic evil gray aliens that are in the book uh, it's always a good one too. Quite manipulative, but it comes as a surprise too. So, and then my good alien vampires. So they live in Hollow Earth. So you got a little Hollow Earth that you'll see more of in the rest of the series. It'll be seven books, and alien vampires are looking to take control. You know, and uh, you got your rebellion, and you got um, it's called um the blade. So it's a sacred alien martial art. This is used for one-on-one, -on -one, hand-to-hand combat. So think of um. It's called um, Kabudu Tantra Karate, right? So that's martial arts with weaponry. So think of um, it's a weapon that they use Tantras, and that's it. Think of a police baton. So you got a baton, it's in your hand like this, and it goes down your forearm, and it's made of wood. I made it, a, it's actually um, made of steel, right? So they have these, it's clamped on the wrist and above the elbow, so of course they're wearing armor. So when they're fighting, it's boom, boom, boom. It's like having two swords on your hand. So a lot of action. That's between alien vampire versus alien vampire, rebel freedom fighters versus everyone. So a lot of action and a lot of alien lore and alien myth. I'm an ancient aliens kind of conspiracy fan. So I put my ancient alien theories in there as well. Nice. Now you said yeah. seven books, is that right? It'll be seven books, but over three different series. So the Rose, volume one, volume two. All right. And then after that, it'll be 10 years later in more of a dystopian America, and that'll be a trilogy called the Indigo Trials, all right? And then it'll be the last two volumes, which is more of a time travel novel, two of them, and that's called Winter. It's based on the um, the rebel freedom fighter who's running and um, running this whole show with all the rebels. His name is Robin Winter. That's yeah. my time travel guy. It's yeah. my, um, a, a go ahead. planned like that, because we got the, the George R. R. Martin problem when you have big expansive series yeah. we're not gonna have 20 years between releases no. are we no definitely not <laughs> definitely not so i'm about to start writing volume two for the rose and what i'm going to be doing is i'm going to write volume two but i'm going to go i'm going to streamline it and go straight to the indigo trials and write that trilogy so volume two and the um, indigo trials trilogy will all be written within the next year so it'll be done and then i might take a little bit break because i do write horror novels as well Got a couple of those coming out and write another horror novel and then go and do winter. I think a little bit break from sci-fi after that. Wow. Okay, sounds like you got a full schedule. Yeah, that's an ambitious, ambitious yeah. plan. That's I amazing. Love my, 
I try, I try. So anyway, Jiggly Spot in the Zero Intellect, that's the um, horror novel I'm writing now. And it's kind of like, um, it's definitely cosmic horror, but it's also kind of pays homage to the old Grindhouse movies of the 60s and 70s. So, and that just passed 128,000 words. So my question, I'm trying to think, should I break it up into two separate parts or should I keep going? It's probably going to be 140,000 by the time it's done. That has been that's been my um, quarantine book that I started writing. So it's been like six months. That's a very long time, but it's kind of like two books. What do you think? Two mm. novels or one? It depends on whether or not you right? can successfully sever the two into two satisfying plots that tie together, or whether it's a full cohesive plot. Yeah, I don't know. that's I'll the thing about it. I could you know, put it into two. Go ahead. Well, in. And, you know, speaking of, you know, severing things and, and breaking them up, I've actually been because, you know, Katie, I think it was before the show just today, I was talking about how, you know, I were uh, we're trying to get this book finished that uh, Rebecca and I are writing. And, you know, there's problems here and there. There's some there's some overall problems that I work with. And I had this bizarre ambient thought last night Um because the story is told over a number of years and all these these different events that happen in these kids lives that what if the what if the novel wasn't really a novel what if the novel was a, a collection of you know five or six novellas that that told this story and i was like oh well that's interesting but so so but now that i'm not an ambient i'm like oh well, i actually have to think about that and see if that sounds interesting or not because i love the idea of telling all these small stories in great detail and i don't want to have to sacrifice those because it's a novel kind of thing but you know yeah I, anyhow i i do want to i want to give a shout out to someone real quick you know since we're on the topic clearly not on the topic um and this isn't an ad or anything it's just something uh that i feel like is timely and uh this is a book that i read last year and it was absolutely phenomenal um i i uh i read it for the raven podcast and, and you know, the interviews on our site it's called our war by craig delui um i would recommend that to absolutely anyone that can read and who is an adult um especially right now uh with things that are going on in uh in america read our war i, th I think you would really dig it um Sorry, I'm a little bit all over the place today, Katie. I'm I'm uh, ADDing out pretty badly, but uh, yeah, I've I've just got so much cool stuff I want to read now. I, I need to read about the the Aztec gods that are ruling this prison, and I want to read about the vampire aliens. I are they sexy vampire aliens, PD? Are they yeah. cute? Definitely not cute. <laughs> they're they're looking this way. They're genetic hybrids between draconian reptilian aliens and cobra snakes so they're they're like reptiles right and they live okay. underground so no they're okay. not sexy but they're definitely <laughs> bloody uh, all right okay all right that's... sorry <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's right if there's enough blood it makes up for it <laughs> it's true it's true sorry i couldn't bring sexy back for you but maybe another one all right <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining a lizard person <laughs> act in a seductive pose. It's just no, it's just bad. Yeah. Doctor <laughs> Who, baby. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. I was thinking about Cobra Kai. You know, we talked about TV shows, and uh, when you said Cobra, that's where my mind yeah. is. Which... <laughs> you watching it? I haven't seen season two yet. We're, we're we just started season two as a family. Yeah. yeah so. Bro, it's like it's like what uh, my parents did with Andy Griffith, right? Like everybody gets together to watch Andy Griffith, except we're watching Cobra Kai. So that's right. Hey, whatever works, right? I can't people to gather. Yeah. None of us have the same interest in our house. We we will not gather around the TV for anything anymore. It's it's very sad. Gotcha. What does Allie watch now? YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> random yeah. youtube videos or tiktok that, that's pretty mm -hmm. much it that is it right yeah i try to get my kids to watch some horror movies but my wife won't love me I, uh, I the older ones yes I have that since halloween we're not going trick-or-treating i'm gonna leave a bowl of candy out for anybody who is trick-or-treating but since we're not trick-or-treating this year i'm gathering the kids for some family-friendly horror movies 
because we used to have a tradition where we would watch like are you afraid of the dark all those tv series mm. the old safe yeah. for kids kind of um goosebumps we would used to do that and we have kind of like even though we're quarantined together we're so spread apart in our individual zones yeah. of the house so halloween night that is what we're doing we're gonna gather around with a bowl full of candy and we're gonna watch family-friendly scary movies nice what do you think what's on your list Movie uh, Hocus Pocus, obviously. I mean, that's a classic. Watched it three times already. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> right. It is a classic. Uh, Netflix has a, the movie Witches, which I remember from my childhood. So I want to introduce hmm. my kids to that one. And then I'll let them pick something after that. Nice. Okay. Cool. I like it. Good but if anyone in the audience has recommendations, post them in the comments. Got to be family friendly because my youngest is only six. Yeah. And see, and my youngest is twelve, and but she is, she's hardcore. I mean, she wants to watch the stuff that's scarier than I want to watch. So, so right. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. we'll do. I know she she'll probably want to go to a friend's house or something. But uh, I'm just going to do what I always do on Halloween, which is put on movies and answer the door. I guess. Well, maybe I won't answer the door this year. Maybe I'll just stick candy out on the porch like Katie's doing. That sounds like a good idea. You know. Everyone involved, and nobody has yeah. to worry about you know constantly touching things, and it's just it's out yeah. there. One once the bowl's gone, sorry guys, but I mean yeah. I don't want to deny anybody else the right to trick or treat. If even though I'm keeping my kids in, if they're wanting to go out, you know, enjoy the Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a weird year. It's just a weird year this year. It is a weird year. It is. Uh, All right. Well, so what? note since we. <laughs> the end of our show time for any last minute you want to tell the audience so jerry go for it anything you want to tell the audience before we go uh yeah i'd love for you to look me up jerryharwood.com um has my books there has the short stories i've I've published has my books has my blog on there you can read all about kfc 3d printed nuggets um and and i also have a blog post about uh why, why I saw someone driving 60 down the highway with a dream catcher on their window. Like what? That's a, maybe the hypnotist can answer that. Like, why are we catching dreams on the freeway? He, uh, he was catching the dream. Yeah. That's a little freaky. So right. yeah. Jerry, jerryharwood.com gives you a connect to everything and um, go pick it out. I think it's a fun read. All right. Sounds good. Uh Oh, there. <laughs> there you go. Go out there, Ty. Ty, what is it? Uh, what was the line here? I think I, we've had Ty ribbon around that old oak tree because this boys are coming home. At <laughs> <laughs> the end of the movie, uh, is he singing It's a Small World? Is that the song they're singing? They're yes. It's a Small yes. World, right? And who was it? Who, who was the it's actor Steve, who was singing? Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Classic. <laughs> now that's that's a guy that looks like he was born to be a hypnotist. He does. I agree with you. He, he has the look, you know, that he could be have that serious look where he's just in those eyes that will definitely get you. Uh, so. All right, all right. One more time for us. Where can we find your book? Uh, yeah. All right. So it comes out on Wednesday, official release, um, ebook, paperback, and hardcover as well. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, all those nice places. And then go to my website, pdoliva.com. It's somewhere here on the bottom of where I'm at, and sign up for my newsletter. And why is that? On Wednesday, I'll be sending out a nice newsletter, and you'll get to go to my website. I'm going to be giving prizes, books. You know, tchotchkes, everything across the board, book fairs, prizes, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. So, and I look forward to it. And I look forward to reader feedback too. I always love to hear what people think, as long as you like it. If you don't like it, don't let me know. But that's right. I'm just kidding. You're going to absolutely love it. That's a problem. It's fun. All right. And we will also put your links in the show notes below, especially for those who are checking us out on YouTube. Uh, Speaking of notes, let's uh, give a shout out again to Rebecca Jonesy, Mistress Rebecca Dirty Jonesy. You will be entertained by her books. Check her out. And uh, she's also in the in the audience. So hi, boss. (laughs) She's one of our sponsors. Again, we love our sponsors because they allow us to stream this both on Facebook and on YouTube at the same time, as well as to send it to 
our podcasting station as well. A little bit of news for me before we go too, because I rarely ever remember to do it. Check out my YouTube channel, katiesolitis.com, where I am reading every Sunday a new chapter from A Weapon of Magical Destruction. This week is chapter eight, but you can catch up by watching all of the episodes up to now and then read along with us. We will be doing random contests as we go. And the giveaways are including a, uh, a set of wonderful, really awesome metal bookmarks. So definitely check us out this weekend. Uh, Sundays at 145 Pacific and my time zone math sucks. So what is that? Three or four Eastern. <laughs> I always say 145. Yeah, 145 Pacific is when I do them. Four, yeah. 445. There we go. So Sundays on YouTube. Just look me up by name. Katie Salitis. Uh, Jay, before we go, anything from you? I just say I did uh, an interview with a woman in New Zealand for the Unafraid show and trying to schedule that was the worst thing I've done <laughs> I've done in a long time because they are a day ahead in a few hours. Uh, it was an absolute freaking nightmare. Yeah, time zones are the worst. Um, no, you know, I said last week, guys, you know, try to be kind to each other. But, you know, I want to revise that. Be kind to each other and also think about maybe picking up one of my books. I would love it if you read one of my books. And you know what? If you ask me for one, a lot of times I'll just give you one because I want to hear what you think of it. I've got some cool stuff if you, if you like, uh, you know, paranormal thriller kind of kind of books. But uh, so hit me up. And until next time, take care. <laughs>